Hi, welcome to episode 32 of the Woke-ish podcast. This is Ebony. And this is Alma. And this week we are discussing how to say no. Yes. So if you're anything like Zelma or I, you and you do not like conflict, you probably have a hard time saying no and probably find yourself in situations that you don't really want to be in <laughs> because yes. you knew when you said yes to it that you did not want to be there. Yes. And yet there you sit, miserable, wishing that you were at home binge watching um, Narcos on Netflix. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to talk about that. But before we get there, we will start with our shout out segment. Yes. And so our first shout out goes to Frank Scott Jr., who became Little Rock, Arkansas's first elected black mayor. Mm -hmm. And so the elected is important because, and I had to look this up because I didn't understand, but apparently, technically, he is Little Rock's third black mayor, Mm -hmm. but he's the first to be voted by the voters. Because apparently the the two other black mayors, Charles Bussey and... Lottie Shackelford were chosen for the job by board members and not voters. Uh, um, so, like, <laughs> yeah, so I don't know when that happens. Like, maybe one of the mayors who was voted in mm. had to resign and they had to get someone. Mm-hmm. But he's the first. So that's why, even though he's technically the third, he's the first elected black mm. mayor. Because um, okay. I don't want people to be like, that's not true. There's yeah. been There's been two other ones. But yeah. what makes it... Uh, this one, a milestone, is that so he won the popular vote. Like, mm. people in Little Rock, Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> he defeated his opponent, Baker Curris, with 58% of the vote following wow. Tuesday's runoff election. Um, so they had, when the run- a runoff election happens, when, like, people don't win enough of a certain number, mm-hmm. um, because there's, you know, usually more than two people running for, um, office. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the two people who got the highest votes, then they too go to the runoff election. Mm-hmm. And so this is what happened here because this is a result of the midterm elections. So that's why it's happening way into December because this is a runoff. Either way, shout out to Frank Scott yeah. Jr. for becoming the first elected black mayor. And shout out to Little Rock, Arkansas for voting, you know, for um, history. And uh, just wanted to kind of, I, I love still getting these trickle of good news from the midterm elections. Yeah. Um, and then the second shout out is just to everyone out there who's finishing up another semester whether it's a semester of undergrad, semester of grad school, semester of uh, community college, um, especially if, if this is your first semester in a new program. Um, I know right now a lot of people are finishing the classes and wrapping up finals. And so just wanted to remind you, you know, like every semester is an accomplishment mm-hmm. and you should definitely like take, take some time to relax and you know, pat, give yourself a pat on the shoulder because school is definitely at whatever stage you are. If you're working full time doing school, like I know some people out there are, if you're just doing school, if you're only doing a semester here or there, whatever it is, like doing school is really taxing. Yeah. As we talked about in our episode last week about, um, our in the know topic about anxieties from school so shout out to everyone finishing um and you know go relax before you start up again next year yeah yeah and and for those who are entering their like final year of school Mm -hmm. and they just have one more semester of college enjoy it (laughs) live it up do not take it for granted because man do i miss college yes um okay and so our last shout out goes to viola davis uh, who will star as Shirley Chisholm in a new movie called The Fighting Shirley Chisholm. So this will be the first project for Davis under the new uh, First Look deal that Juvie Production, so this is the company that she co-heads with her husband, Julius Tenen, um, recently signed with Amazon. So this is like the first project under that. Um, so just want to give you a little bit of info about who Shirley Chisholm is in case you don't know so that you understand why this is such a big deal. So uh, Shirley Chisholm was an American politician, educator, and author. In 1968, she became the first black woman elected to the United States Congress, and she re- represented New York's 12th congressional district for seven terms from 1969 to 1983. 
1972, she became the first black candidate for a major party's nomination for president of the United States and the first woman to run for the Democratic Party's presidential nomination. So you see there, I mean, she was a lot of firsts. So like first black, first um, woman, first black woman. Um, so yeah, she paved the way for tons and tons of folks that you see running for office today. And Viola Davis will be making history by playing her in a new movie. So shout out to Viola. Yeah. Okay, so now for our In the Know segment. So our first story is about Kareem Hunt. And if you guys are boycotting the NFL, you may not be super invested in Kareem Hunt. I know it's sad because when I was reading the news about this, so many people were like, oh my God, because he's a really good player for a really good team, like a team that might make it to the Super Bowl. Mm. And so people were like, oh my gosh, my fantasy, oh my gosh, like aside from just like... It's so funny to me when people say that. It's like, yeah, okay, his life, but my team. So if you guys haven't seen videos, heard of this, or been on social media, Kareem Hunt is a running back for the Kansas City Chiefs, and a recent video was released which shows what I I consider an assault. (laughs) Yes. And so video surfaced of Hunt kicking and pushing a white woman after he claims she called him racial slurs and hit him first. She's a 19-year-old woman who allegedly, he said, used racial epithets and argues that caused him to kick her out of the room that they were occupying. In the video, you you then see that he proceeds to push a man into her, among other things, knocking her over, and then in one particular instance, kicks her while she was down. Although there's a lot of, like, pushing and... He kicked her over. Like, she's, like, kneeling. She's, like, bent down, but on kind of, like, her tippy toes, and then he kicks her over. Yeah, she's already, like, down. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you can see the video on Instagram, see for yourself, um, but... In an interview after the video was released, Hunt says, Honestly, I just wanted to let the world know how sorry I am for my actions. You know, it's been a tough time for me. I'm extremely embarrassed because of that video. I regret the entire thing, and I'm going to take the time to, you know, like I said, better myself and learn from this. I realized what I did once I saw the video, and it was really tough to watch. Mm. So I think maybe he was drunk. Um, He said if he could speak with the woman, I'd want to tell her right now that I am sorry for my actions that night. So this is video. So the video was recently released, but the incident happened in February in a Cleveland hotel hallway. And so TMZ released the video um, last Friday. Um, and then that's why all this came out. Mm. Uh, so he wasn't fired until... No, until. Okay. And that's where, that's, you know, part of the story is that, so, so far Hunt has not been charged, but the video which shows Hunt shoving the woman several times and kicking her as others tried to hold him back made the NFL place Hunt, initially the NFL placed Hunt on the commissioner exempt list, preventing him from playing, practicing, or attending games. So he was still part of the roster. He just wasn't playing. Mm -hmm. But that's what the NFL said. But then his team later released a statement confirming they were severing ties with him. Mm -hmm. And the team said it had had been made aware of the incident earlier in the year. Management had spoken with Hunt, but the video made clear that he was, quote-unquote, not truthful in those discussions. Mm -hmm. So the Redskins, just like Ray Rice... The Redskins are saying they knew about it, but they didn't know it was that bad, which is the exact same thing they said about. Which is the exact same thing they'll continue to say. So now it comes to, like, the controversy. I mean, for some people, the debate is, was it that bad? If you look at the video, it was bad. Yeah, the video, yeah, yeah. So seeing the video, I was like, oh, my gosh. And then, like, literally narrating as I was watching, like, oh, my God, he pushed her. Oh, my God, he came back and pushed her again. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, now he's kicking her. You know, um, so I, okay, so th- these are my thoughts, right? So it sucks that he is getting fired. Um, but I have to think, trying to remove race from this, because those are the terms that I think in, right? Mm-hmm. I think in racial terms, always. And so there have been a bunch of white women that have been doing 
and white women and men that have been doing, you know, very sus things over the past what year or so, and they've been getting fired. Mm. Like, period. You know, and I haven't felt any kind of remorse for them. So can I feel remorseful for a guy who's like beating up on a woman? Now, the I think the difficult part, which I've said um, in other episodes of the podcast when it comes to like sexual assault, which I mean, this is physical assault, but also in terms of sexual assault, I do feel differently about situations where both parties are intoxicated so whether they be drunk or high or whatever now i don't she was clearly drunk in this video very clearly like she was having a hard time standing even when she was on her like you know (laughs) upright on her two feet and if he if he's being truthful in these interviews and he didn't remember what he did then i i it it, and because they were having like a little yeah party or whatever they they you know they were they were in a hotel room and they're coming out of the hotel room to fight in the hallway so the fact that they were having a party in their hotel room and drinking and doing whatever else, you know, makes me feel like, uh, like, you know, it's kind of hard because he wasn't in his right mind necessarily. So the, that's kind of hard to, I mean, and then for, for his team to be like, oh, he didn't, you know, he didn't keep it, you know, mm-hmm. hunted with us. He told us that this is what happened and this is actually what happened. It's like, maybe that's what he recalled. That's, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he wasn't, he was too drunk to actually remember everything that happened. And so based on his memory, it wasn't as bad as what it actually was. Yeah. So I don't know. That's, that's hard. Yeah. So some people are calling for a lifetime ban. That means for the rest of his life, he will mm. never be able to play football wow, again. Wow, that's... Other people are just calling for a suspension. And I just, yeah. like, think about... I mean, there are, like, Ben Roethlisberg. He is currently a quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers who has been actually, like, accused of sexual assault. Mm. Yet he still plays. And it's just kind of like... And then there are other quarterbacks. the tapes, though. Yeah, That's like true. it's like How does we can. I don't know. T- they pay a lot of. They pay people a lot of money. The other like, one whoever, too was yeah. TMZ. But then I remember when the other one I got fired. Yeah, he got fired. But he's like, you know what? Do I care? Like they paid pay. me fifty thousand dollars for this tape or whatever they paid. You know, That's so true. it's like if I'm only making ten dollars an hour, like what? Yes, you can pay me fifty thousand dollars for this tape. Um, and so yeah, it's. I think it's pretty hard when it's on tape. It's like one thing to be accused, yeah. you know, but when they have proof, I mean, I don't know if I would say a lifetime ban because a lot of these, a lot of these athletes do a lot, not just not just in terms of sexual assault, but physical assault. Like they do kinds, of, they get into shit all the time, all the time. Yeah. So I mean, and then I think it's also like how you were saying before um, we started recording, you were talking about CTE, yeah, which we have talked about in you know, other episodes as Mm -hmm. well. And I think it's, that makes it really murky too. That complicates it. Like, I don't think that the NFL should be able to put a lifetime ban on anybody. Now, if, if teams think, oh, you know, the pros don't outweigh the cons, like you are too much of a risk for us to employ, you know? And so the fact that you're this like star athlete doesn't matter. Um, And, you know, I think that, teams should be able to decide that on their own. Yeah. Like, we can't, like, for instance, with, um, I don't know, who who are these people? Like, the lady a few weeks ago that was uh, taunting the people at the Andrew Gillum oh, yeah. um, protest or whatever. A real estate company can't reach out to the real estate bureau or something and say, this woman, has, there's a lifetime ban on her. She can never work at any real estate company again. No, it's like, we're firing her. Now, if she goes elsewhere and they hire her, that's their business. Mm. And I feel like it should it should work similarly in the NFL. This is my argument that they should not be able to say no team can hire him because that yeah. should be up to the team. Yeah, I mean he he was on the road to potentially get a Super Bowl ring. He's no longer going. The, like uh, if a team picks him up, it's not going to be the Chiefs yeah. or um, the Rams, which, yeah. in my opinion, are the two that are going to go to the Super Bowl. But I just, I also feel a certain type of way about doing a lifetime ban just for all those reasons. The CTE, the fact that he hasn't been charged, the fact that there are currently people, like there's someone on the Dallas Cowboys team that I can't remember right now, um, but also another running back 
that has um, been accused of domestic violence, and yet he's mm-hmm. still playing. Yeah. And oh, a lot of people actually have charges of domestic violence on the NFL rosters, and it's just kind of like, but I think you're right, like, because of the video, people have to mm-hmm. um, pay attention to it. But I thought, like, in court, like, that stuff, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I feel like... If he gets fined or has to do time, like, that's a separate issue than whether he should be banned from football. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I I wish that there, I mean, I think that it's going to happen, you know, I would say probably within the next decade. Not fast enough, and it sucks that there will be, there will have been so many people that will have suffered by then. But there needs to be something structurally that happens with the NFL as far as CTE is concerned, because it's, it's unfair. Like these are the people that suffer, you know, they suffer in in more ways than one. So not just in terms of their health, but also in terms of like their quality of life. Yeah. You know, like socially. So if, if, because you have all these head injuries, you're prone to more violence and say, that's what's going on here. I mean, I don't know, but say that is, and his head injury is the reason that he's being so violent. Now he's losing his job and potentially a lifetime ban. And that, I mean, that's going to affect his life period. Yeah. And And it's not even his fault. Like the people, the owners of these teams, they don't suffer. Yeah. It's, you know, they don't suffer physically the way that the players do. They don't suffer in terms, there's no blow to them, their social lives, their image, their reputation because of their players that have CTE. Like they don't, they don't lose anything. And I think that that's, that, you know, that, um, there's a real imbalance of power there. Yeah. And I think just to remind people, like the particular position that he plays is one of the most vulnerable because of most likely to get injured mm-hmm. because, um, you know, the quarterback has people defending him. Yeah. Running backs do not. Yeah. And so their job literally is to try to make touchdowns. Yeah. So try not to get hit. Everyone is trying to hit them. Yeah. And even if you don't like break their legs or whatever, like getting tackled for ev- literally every play you make, people are tackling. Like yeah. that's the only way you yeah. stop. And it's not just like, oh, we hit you. And no, it's literally like, okay, now all the linemen got to pile yeah, on top of you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then like keep doing it yeah. for four quarters yeah. and then do it every week. And so I don't know that and I don't know. So and then also the fact that she also did hit him. I'm not saying that women deserve if, you know, if women hit you, then you deserve to hit them. But I think that, I mean, we consider assault spitting on someone. If you spit on someone, that's considered assault. And so I think that if people were charged, he should be charged, but so should she, because Mm -hmm. she also assaulted him. Yeah. Um, And I think that we just have to to be fair um, in in doing that as well, because if we're saying all violence is bad, then it doesn't make it okay just because she's a woman yeah. that she hit him especially in this era you know and i mean again she, he didn't like punch her it wasn't like that it was like you know kind of pushing you like sh- yeah. like a shove kind of um but i think you know somebody said something to me recently like in an interview one of the interviews that i was doing um like dissertation interviews the guy said he was talking about double standards mm. and, you know, and he was saying that he thinks that they're even more difficult to navigate in this era where, you know, so many women are pushing for equality, Yeah, you know? So it's like, okay, no, do we recognize, like we recognize period that men on average tend to be stronger than women. That's yes. on average, yes. right? Obviously there are lots of exceptions. So do we think that a woman punching a guy is the equivalent of a guy punching a woman? No, no, but a woman, sh- that doesn't mean that a woman gets to punch a guy, yeah, right? So yeah. she should, there should be some kind of repercussions. Like, it shouldn't necessarily mean, oh, you punched me, I'm going to punch you back because clearly you're going to do more damage. Yeah. But it should be that she's held to some kind of something. Like, yeah. there should be something yeah. that could happen. That's an assault, yeah. right? Um, And so he was saying that, you know, it seems that women, and I, I was like, I can't even argue with you, you know? He was saying that it seems that women are against double standards that don't benefit them, but yeah. there are four double standards that do benefit yeah, them. No, I, I and it's think, like, yeah, yeah I, I, agree. I agree with that. I yeah. agree with that. And I think that that's what's happening here is that, you know, 
And I mean, maybe the one way that he could, if that's an argument that he believes in and is sticking to, then maybe he should press charges. Mm. Because if she, if she did something to him first, then maybe he should go as far as to, like, I'm not gonna, my life is not gonna be destroyed by myself. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. I mean, maybe if I'm going that's down, why you're he, coming too. Maybe that's why he hasn't had, he didn't have any charges pressed to get pressed against him. Yeah. Um, because I'm assuming, I mean, he's got to have a really good agent because he's a really top player. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that's gotta have been. Yeah. Loaded around like okay if you if you press charges then we'll press charges as well for assault yeah and that's just I don't know I think I I would take a more proactive rather than defensive oh that's approach. what and that's what he's doing he said oh like I would be like I'm not gonna wait because like if she presses charges and then you press charges it looks like you're just doing it out of spite yeah. rather than like oh I legitimately feel like she was wrong in what she did and if you feel that so much so that you're willing to make a case for it you know, yeah. toward the, to the NFL, then I would, I mean, you've lost your job. Yeah. Now, right now, there the debate is whether or not you will ever be able to get a job playing football again. Yeah. So I would try to, you know, make sure that I get in front of that if I were him. I mean, yeah. So if anybody knows him that's listening, <laughs> or if he's listening. With, <laughs> Can you imagine? Right? I we should tag him. Um, yeah, so we'll definitely keep up with the story and see what happens, but definitely wanted to talk about that because it ties into so many past topics that we've talked about, including, you know, um, double standards, violence with amongst athletes Mm -hmm. and, um, also race, even Mm -hmm. though, I mean, you can't ignore the fact that it was a black guy Mm -hmm. assaulting a white woman. Mm -hmm. Um, so our second story is, so you might have heard about the murder of Amantic Bradford, EJ, or otherwise known as EJ Bradford Jr. He was killed by police on Thanksgiving night. This is that mall shooting. And so the autopsy, the independent autopsy report, because the police have yet to release their autopsy report. So the family conducted an independent one and it showed that there were that he was shot three times off from behind during the incident at the Alabama mall. So the lawyers for Brad for EJ's family released the results on Monday, saying that the results confirmed that he had been fleeing with his back turned at the time he was killed. Therefore, cops usually say, you know, oh, he was going to shoot at me. I was in fear of my life. If you're running away, there's you really how can you be a threat so the autopsy was commissioned by the family and it showed that Bradford had been shot in the head the neck and the lower back it was the gunshot wound to the head that killed him which concluded that the manner of death is homicide so Bradford's father Amantic senior used forceful words at Monday news conference he said my son was murdered by this officer and that was cowardice and his dad apparently is also a veteran. He said, shifting to address the absent officer, you shot a 21-year-old person running away from gunfire. Never posed you a threat, never had nothing in his hand. Why did you shoot him? You can't explain that to me because that ain't training. That's cowardice. Mm-hmm. You're a coward. So far, the police department has refused to release the autopsy report along with the video of the murder stating, quote unquote, it would be premature to do so. So they actually have the video. They're just not releasing Mm -hmm. it. Yet, I argue that it wasn't premature to have a press conference right after where the police said that EJ was the mall shooter and that the police officer who killed him was a hero. So I just kind of, it's kind of a double, like... A double standard for me for the police to say, well, we're not going to release this because there's an ongoing investigation when like right after this happened, you said that he was the shooter and you said that the cop who killed him was, you know, saved everyone's life, saved more people's life. And it's like, if it's an ongoing investigation, then you shouldn't be talking about anything. Yeah. And so and how when y'all don't know anything. Yeah. And so how, and then the try and put myself in the position of that family to be like, for a, a little while, people really thought your son was, like, yeah. the bad guy. Yeah. Was, and apparently, um, the person who actually committed the shooting was arrested last week. Yeah, and so it was, like, the crazy thing to me is that, okay, so ultimately, race aside, our police in this country are so poorly trained. 
They have no skills whatsoever. No investigative skills, nothing. They're just constantly, they just constantly live life on edge and on defense. A defense against what? You are the predator. So you killed the wrong person and left the actual mass shooter just floating around in the mall to be yeah. able to kill more people. Yeah. How ridiculous is that? Yeah. How ridiculous is that? And then you kill, you just kill the first black kid you see. Like, oh, yeah. must have been him. What? I mean, now, to bring race back into it, who, who usually are these mass shooters? What do they look like? Yeah. They're not, like, they yeah. were probably just waiting for somebody black to do it. For yeah. somebody black to be the culprit. And it's like, no, I'm sorry, but that's not really a black thing. Like, it's, no, what? We look at all these mass shooters. I just yeah. don't understand. I don't. And then, I mean, I I, I do not see this case. I, I really fully see this police officer being acquitted. And oh, yeah. the reason that I do is because they. I feel like for, for a jury, they're going to see this as a cop who, because all we think about are cops fear, right? Yeah. They're, oh, the cop was in fear. There was so much commotion. Saw somebody running, shot, like. They're going to think, they're going to see that as credible. And that's because like, you know, our juries also have no sense. And they constantly, you know, like the defense attorney is like one of their, one of their jobs is that they hire, you know, these consultants to help them, um, sift through people so that they can select the jury that will, you know, vote in their favor. Yeah. Um, and I mean, which is terrible. It's like, so you, you're going to have this officer who's going to be able to go out shortly and continue working and with the same biases, because whether we define this as racism or not, this is cl clear bias. Like yeah. if you see someone whose skin is dark and you think, oh, that must be the killer there. That's a problem. Yeah. That's a problem that you think that way and that you're a police officer. Yeah. And that you have the power to kill people with no repercussions. Yeah, for a mistake. And you have you have the cover of the police force. Yeah. You know, I... I... Yeah, so <sighs> we'll see. The family's going ahead and, you know, they got a lawyer. But it's just sad that they had to do their own autopsy report. But, yeah. I mean, it just shows you that you can't rely on the government or the police um, in all cases. Mm -mm. Um you know, I'm not saying that, you know, if I, someone was robbing me, I wouldn't call the police. I'm just saying that there's a problem. Well, I don't know. <laughs> so this next story, right? So continuation uh, of cops being so poorly trained. So a Vietnam vet kills an intruder, then cops show up and shoot him dead by mistake. Mm. Did you hear about this story? No. So a case of mistaken identity left a man dead after protecting his family from an invader. So officers were dispatched to an Aurora, Colorado home around 1.30 Monday morning. They heard gunshots coming from inside the house. Upon entering, officers saw a dead body laying on the bathroom floor and assumed he was the victim of the invasion. Then they saw Richard Gary Black, 73 years old. 73-year-old. This is And this is a white man. 73-year-old white man standing in the living room, alive and armed. He was perceived as the perpetrator. So they opened fire and killed this man. Killed mm. somebody's grandfather. Who was not the invader, but was the homeowner. So. That's terrible. Yeah. yeah so I mean, so apparently, like, a number of people were standing outside the home when cops arrived, including his, including the, um, Mr. Black's wife. Mm. And they're claiming that when the officers walked past her, she said he has a gun. And so then they assumed that like, oh, this person with the gun must be the person that she's talking about. And so apparently he, you know, didn't die right away. So it says Black emerged shortly after with a gun in one hand and a flashlight in the other, standing by the front door. Um, officers commanded, oh, so officers commanded that he dropped the weapon and put his hands up several times, but for whatever reason, he didn't drop the gun he's right away. Scared yes. He's 73! And you are pointing guns at him. You're pointing guns at him. His house was just invaded yeah. at 1.30 a.m. Oh, God. Like, so he raised the flashlight, and it was then that an officer fired four rounds at him. That's And that's what gets me when they yeah. fire multiple. Yeah. Because it's like, if you... If you're in fear, like, why not shoot him once? They're probably, at that point, 
hurt enough that you can subdue them, but no, yeah. kill overkill. Yeah. Yeah, apparently like the person that had the person that had broken in like attacked his grandson mm. and like tried to drag him to the bathroom and then that's when like he um killed the intruder. And yeah, I mean, it's just like how many you can't just if I killed somebody by mistake, I couldn't just be like, oh, yeah, it was an accident. Like, you know, my bad. And then continue to live my life. No. Yeah. No. You still, they just call it something different, but you still do time. Yeah. <laughs> like with, uh, okay. And then lastly, on the list of stupid things <laughs> that our police do, um, maybe there may be a, a shred of hope. So, a Dallas jury has indicted Amber Geiger on murder charges for the murder of Botham Shem John, which happened back in September. Um, I'm sure that y'all recall this because it was all over the place, all over social media. But just to jog your memory, so Botham Shem John was in his apartment. It was dark because it was night and he um, was got, probably he, fucking sleeping. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, so he, I think, got up from whatever he was doing. Um, because Amber Geyer was trying to break into his apartment. Mm -hmm. And when she finally did break in, she saw him and then shot and killed him in his apartment. Yes. Um, and so she claimed after that, that, you know, she thought it was her apartment. Yeah. The door was already open. Yeah. She just walked in. She saw a male figure and shot him. And, uh, yeah. So the Dallas jury has indicted her and Hopefully, these charges stick. Yeah, because they just voted in a new DA. Yeah. So, yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. And and I think the DA said that that was, like, one of the his first platforms. things on his, yeah. So, Good. you know, it, it seems like whatever he's doing maybe is effective. I mean, they, you know, Dallas or that area recently actually found a cop guilty of the murder of that yeah, teenager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, hopefully, you know. Yeah. There's precedent for a cop being charged and actually found guilty. Yeah. So, well, we'll keep, we'll definitely keep you guys updated um, with all of these fucking police. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, they it's, are just so. I want I want y'all to know that we are the United States is unique in terms of how little training our cops get. Right. So our cops get I want to say 21 weeks, which is um I, I'm really bad at math. It's like six months. It's less than the time that it takes to make a baby. <laughs> yeah. It's like six six months where you're training someone on how to protect and serve, right? And they are supposed to have the capacity to evaluate a situation and know when to kill someone and when not to. Yeah. And th when they kill someone, is my, my understanding is that when they kill someone, it's supposed to be like, oh, this person was literally like about to kill me. Yeah. So the whole... Oh, resisted arrest. Oh, they were cussing at me. Oh, they hit me. Oh, they were running away. Those are not grounds to kill someone. Think about it this way. This is, this is the simple way to think about it. If a person, say, was resisting arrest from a cop, right? And then the person was arrested and taken to jail. Could they get the death penalty for that? No. Which means that a cop should not be able to give them the death penalty. Yeah. Like, you should not be able to kill someone just because you feel like it. Yeah. No. Or you made a mistake. Yeah. No. You, and, and, and all your mistakes can't look, can't, can't look suspicious. You can't be constantly killing black kids. Like, oh, that was yeah. by accident. Oh, I thought he had a gun. Oh, I thought, no. Like, what? Yeah. So every, so there are other countries that I've, um, looked up. It's like Iceland, the UK, um, and a few other countries. Their police are trained for like two years, three years, and they don't have accidental killings. They don't even have intentional killings because the police are well trained. You know how in the movies you would see things like negotiators and stuff like that. When was the last time you heard of somebody of a cop negotiating something? No, with they the just white, kill with people. White mass shooters, yeah, with what? Somehow yeah. white mass shooters constantly get taken in Dylan alive. The guy, the guy who shot up the freaking They be playing school. therapist with these, with these, uh, people. Yeah. Like, oh my God. But no, they just, I just, I can't. Like, our cops are just such a disappointment. It's like so disappointing. Yeah. And that's not to say there aren't good cops, but when we talk about institutions, we're talking yeah. about, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. 
as a whole. Yeah, and so, so I want to say the good cops are the good cops are going against the grain. Yeah, because it would be so easy for them to just do to just be so like careless and reckless. Like yeah. why, you know? So you're you're. I feel like the good cops are pushing themselves to be good when they don't have to. Yeah. Like, the bad cops are just doing, you know, it's like, oh, I could get away with this. Why not? Yeah. Why not? And that's the that's our culture right now. So, I mean, no, I don't, I don't doubt the fact that there are good cops out there. You know, I understand that. But it's like, you know, we don't, if, if there were, I don't know what another, what an equivalent, like, say doctors. If mm-hmm. doctors, if there were, like, tons of malpractice things going on, no, no, like, repercussions, nobody's being fired or anything, like, and you're saying, oh, yeah, like, doctors, they're pretty shitty, like, you know, they're constantly killing people and all this stuff, you're not gonna, the response is not gonna be, oh, but there are some good doctors, no, like, let's deal with the bad apples, because mm-hmm. people's lives are being lost yeah. unjustly, and it's not fair, it's not fair to them, it's not fair to their families, like, this 21 years old yeah 21 years old and 73 yeah and then i can't how old was botham 26 like this is ridiculous all yeah. these accidental killings and th- there's no justice i don't care if you did it by accident you took somebody's life yeah you took somebody's son somebody's grandfather somebody's husband like you have to pay for that accident because yeah. i don't get to just walk around with a gun and accidentally kill people and then nothing happens yeah no i yeah. don't get to do that so, no, you don't get to do that. You don't get to, yeah. oh, I'm so sorry, my deepest condolences. No, fuck that. Yeah, just because Mm-mm. you did 21 weeks of training. Yeah, no. you. I could be like, I do. I did seven years of what? grad school. I've been in, I've been in this. <laughs> I'm gonna be, it's going to take me six years to get my PhD to go teach college students. For yeah. what? Is yeah. it that serious? No. No, no, no. no. It's not. Like It takes, not. like, what, 12 years to become a doctor? Oh, my gosh. Like, it, and it takes you 21 weeks to get the license to kill. Yeah. For two years to become a nurse, like you just why do we take everything else so seriously? And it's like you that would be a simple fix. Cause I mean, if I was okay, say I was racist, right? Say say that I just was. Say I didn't really like black people. I thought maybe like, oh, they're super violent, they're the issue with our society, they bring our value down, they make America look bad, they're lazy, blah 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 blah, right? What? I could spend six months getting um a badge. Mm-hmm. I could spend six months doing that. Like, yeah. six months is nothing. Yeah. And we act like these people are just, oh, it's so dangerous to be a cop. Da-da-da. No, they have, they legally can kill you. Yeah. And get away with when it. When you're doing nothing. So, no, don't tell me it's dangerous to be a cop. No, cops are dangerous. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Oh, my God. Okay. So, anyways, I've gone on and on about this enough. <laughs> uh, okay. So, now um, we will move on to our What's Being Slept On segment. So, I strongly suggest that you wake up. Okay, I had to take a couple deep breaths. <laughs> it's pretty wound up. Um, okay, so now for our What's Being Slept On segment, we will be discussing the power of saying no. Um, and so, you know, we, like I said at the start of the podcast, you know, I do not like conflict. I will grit my teeth, put on a fake smile and say yes. Mm-hmm. But in the inside, be like, oh, I'm going to find a way to get out of this. <laughs> I'm gonna, bef- between now and then, I'm going to find a way to get out of this situation. Um, so, yeah, we wanted to kind of, I guess, rounding out or finishing up, you know, 2018 as we start to think about the selves that we want to bring into 2019 mm-hmm. and, the, you know, the things that we want to leave behind. Saying yes to everything. And being miserable is one of the things that we want to leave behind. Yes. Okay? So many of us feel compelled to agree to every request that we get and would rather juggle a million jobs and tasks and events than refuse to help or be there for friends or family or whoever, even if we are left with no time for ourselves. So saying no was one of our self-care tips in episode 10 on mental health and self-care. So if you haven't listened to that, or if you have and it's been a while and you need a refresher, I would say to revisit because it's important. Learning to say no is part of self-respect and healthy and healthy boundary making. Yes. Right? So you 
think about it like this, right? So I've been, I've said yes to going places with friends that I haven't wanted to go and then been there and been like a party pooper, right? (laughs) And so I'm sure in that moment, they probably are like, oh, we could have left her at home. You know, we could have dealt without her being here and not really talking to anybody and all of this stuff. Um, And so you are doing yourself a favor and you're also doing them a favor. Yeah. Um, Yes. So... Let's ask ourselves why we continue to say yes. Why do we continue to say yes to things that we know we don't want to do or don't have time to do, don't know how to do, Yeah, you know, like you don't have the energy to do. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so Ebony and I were thinking about like some of the reasons why we continue to say yes, because we both agreed that like, especially for me, this is an issue that I talk a lot in therapy um, because it's. I have a hard time saying no to family and friends um, and even like school, school mm-hmm. things. And so one of the things, um, so a couple of the reasons we wanted to like go over is first, um, you know, I continue to say yes, maybe because I believe that saying no will make me seem uncaring and even selfish. Um, I think maybe a lot of us believe that, that if you say no to someone asking you for a favor asking you to cat sit, asking you <laughs> to help them uh, move, asking oh, you that's a big one. to take you to the airport, asking Ooh, you. That's a big one too. Yeah. Like um, you, it, it seems like if you say no, that person's going to think you're selfish. Yeah. Um, even though, and I'm not saying like, maybe you're, you don't, maybe you want to say no because you don't want to do it. Yeah. But sometimes like for me, I like can't do it. Like, Mm. because I, it really, I would be spreading myself too thin. Yeah. Um, Others, it's maybe other times it's a fear of being disliked, criticized, or risking a friendship. Yeah. Um, And so maybe you think if I say, you know, if someone asks you, hey, do you want to come to this? Do you want to come on this trip with me? Do you want to come to this concert? Do you want to do this with me? Do you want to come with me to do this? You feel like if you say no, you're going to risk that person not wanting to be your friend anymore or they're going to kind of, it's going to make you unlikable in some way. Um, Also a fear of disappointing people. And this is something for me about school, maybe work. Um, You know, sometimes people ask too much from me and I feel that um, if I say no, I'm going to be disappointing them, even if it comes up at, 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 at an expense. So, for example, if I have a lot of things going on in my personal life, but my advisor asks me to do some extra work or to go to this meeting or to go to this lecture, or if your boss asks you to stay late or if he asks you to um, go to this conference or do something with them. It's like, you don't want to disappoint them. And so you sometimes continue to say yes. And lastly, people pleasing, which is I am a notorious people pleaser and I just want everyone to be happy. Um, even if it comes at the expense of me. And so it's something that I've been working on in therapy as well is, um, trying to avoid seeing, um, me as, only being likable if I am doing things for other people. So there are lots of different reasons why we continue to say yes. Um, but with that in mind, uh, we wanted to talk about like why it's important to say no and why it can actually be good for you. And then to me, the most important is like, how do I say no? Because even sometimes when I'm like, I know I can't do this. I know this is too much. Like there's just no way I can fit three things at the same time, but I don't want, I don't know who to say no to. It's like, yeah. how do I do it? Yeah. Yeah. All of those, uh, <laughs> all of those reasons resonate with me. And I think for different, like for, di- I, I think it's like different reasons for different sets of people, you yeah. know, like for friends, it's like, okay, I feel like I should do these things for my friends because I don't want, you know, like a lot of time, I think that a lot of times I'm unsure of how people define our friendship. Like, so is our friendship defined based on, you know, how much we do X, Y, and Z together? Mm-hmm. And if I don't do X, Y, and Z with them, will they question whether or not we're friends? Um, or will they feel like, oh, yeah, you know, like, I mean, I ain't really doing X, Y, and Z lately. Like, she hasn't really been, or I asked her to do this for me and she didn't. Um, and then I think for, like my advisor, 
um, who often asks me to do things that I don't want to do. <laughs> um, I do have a fear of being criticized or like not meeting whatever standards, which actually I've learned recently are, is not the case. Like there are not, I think that you, you may assume that someone, um, will judge you or criticize you for saying no to something when in actuality the reason that they asked you to do it or that they proposed to do it is because they don't want to do it in the first place yeah. you know so it's like oh can you do this for me because i actually don't want to do it yeah. you know and it needs to be done um and so they're kind of putting their work on you or maybe they didn't care whether or not it was done and they just kind of put it out there and the fact that you accepted yeah meant that you put more work on yourself when in actuality it was like, oh, okay, we could do... Like, for instance, sometimes my advisor will ask me to meet at times that I don't want to meet. But because I don't really feel like it's an option and I feel like, you know, I mean, I'm I am the, the student, so it's like, why should I be able to, you know, insist on what time we meet? Um, sometimes I will be like, okay, sure. And then she'll either change the time of the meeting later or cancel it. And it's like, oh, well we didn't necessarily need to meet at that time in the first place. Yeah. Um, so sometimes, yeah, you might surprise yourself by, you know, we're making saying, I, I'm over here talking about saying no like I do it. So <laughs> I just need y'all to know that I am not an expert at this either. Um, so how do you know when to say no? Yeah. Um, that's hard. How do you know? Because... It would suck if this fear that you have of saying no, um, say like you decide to, to, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my foot down and I am gonna start saying no to things. And then you find out that this was actually the one time that that person was gonna judge you or criticize you yeah. or decide, you know what, you a fake friend. I'm done with this friendship. Yeah. Um, so that would suck. Um, yeah. And then what if your friend really needs you? Yeah. And- it's like, is this one of those times that I yeah. need to drop what I'm doing to be yeah. there for my friends? That's hard. Or is this one of those times where I can be honest and be like, hey, because, yeah. you know, I've had uh, several of those, like, calls or texts that are like, hey, can we talk? And then I'm like, oh, God, I'm yeah. in the middle of this deadline. Yeah. But you sound like maybe you really need you really need me so what should I do yeah yeah Yeah. and then you next thing you know you find yourself on the phone for two hours yeah just shooting the shit and you have not been working yeah (laughs) I I yes so one of the things so so some of the questions you should ask yourself about what is this a time that I should say no is one like do you have the time yeah it's not bad to say um hey, I would love to talk. Can I call you in 30 minutes? Yeah. Uh, or, hey, I'm about to go into an appointment or a meeting. Can mm-hmm. I call you after at 2? Mm-hmm. Um, because in that way, you're sh- you're telling that person, like, yes, I can be there for you. Right now, I just can't. Um, and then another question to ask yourself is, why are you saying yes? Are you saying yes because you want to do it? Or are you saying yes because you feel obligated to? And yeah. So if, you know, if someone's asking you um, to, if you already have plans and someone's asking you to do something else or um, someone's asking you to help out or to, to, I don't know, like I always go to like the moving in the airport because those are like really. Or even like something simple like going out, you know, mm-hmm. and I think we, you know, going back again to our self-care episode that we had, right? So sometimes I say at the end, so Fridays and Saturdays are typically the days that people go out places, Mm -hmm. right? But I usually like my Friday night and my Saturday to recover from the week, Mm -hmm. from like working and all that stuff. And so if it's like, oh, I don't want to hang out because I am just hanging out with myself, um, that a lot of times to me doesn't seem like a legitimate, you know, reason not to go hang out with this person but then you end up going out and then say you are not having a good time or say you know I don't know whatever it was sucked in the first place then you're like dang I could have really been at home like yeah you know decompressing from the week that's that sometimes that's hard too and it's like so how do you just how do you know what are legitimate reasons 
Yeah. And so some of the things that I was in trying to figure out for myself, not only through therapy, but through like different articles that we were reading to prepare for this episode is like some of the things some of these people were saying Mm -hmm. is that you have to learn how to value your time. Yeah. And then to know your priorities. And so like in Ebony's example, her priority um, was to self-care. And um, she doesn't have a lot of time to be able to engage in that self-care. And for some people, self-care is going out and, yeah. you yeah. know, going, being social. Mm-hmm. For other people, it's not. It's yeah. like staying at home and, and shutting social down. social is work sometimes. Yeah, and social is work for some people. Yeah. And so I think that you just have to ask yourself. And I don't think that, like, every time someone asks you to go out, you should say no. Mm-hmm. Or every time someone asks you for a favor, you should say no. Mm-hmm. But it you have to look at it the other way too. Like Mm -hmm. every time someone asks you, doesn't mean you have to say yes. Yeah. And so I think like, for example, the going out thing, you can tell yourself, okay, two, I'll dedicate like two weekends a week, a month to like doing friend stuff Mm -hmm. or I'll dedicate, you know, I'll make sure if it's a really important event, someone's birthday, someone um, is from out of town to really make the effort um, or if, you know, this person never asks for favors and they're asking me to help them move, they don't yeah, have anyone that's a big else. Thing. Yeah. Or, you know, this person doesn't have a car and they really need me to take them to the airport and I have a trip coming up and maybe I can ask them or something like that where you can say, okay, like this, this is a time that I can do it. But I would say if it interferes negatively with your self care or with your time or with any priorities that you may have, then that's maybe a time where you can say no. And then we're going to talk a little bit about how we can say that. But we just wanted to just kind of let you guys know that's something that I've learned is that saying no does not make you a bad person. And so I think that sometimes we feel like saying no is negative because usually it's a negative, it's associated as a negative word. But um, your self-worth does not depend on how much you do for other people. And if in the relationship, it seems like it does, like it seems like they, you know, are not reacting positively to you not being able to do things, then that's more a reflection of the type of relationship that you have. And that could just be because you've, you are the yes person. And so that dynamic has become a, I take because I ask. And then you, it's been that way for so long that you don't realize it. And so when you start saying no, the dynamic changes. And if that person's not okay with it and is making it seem like, you know, the relationship is dependent on you doing things, then that's where you kind of, it's past the saying no and more into the, is this a healthy relationship Mm -hmm. that I have? And that could be with family too. I think that you know, boundaries are important to make. And if you make yourself available, you will become the available person. Mm-hmm. And so if, um, you know, I, I used to just like pick up my phone, like when my mom called, no matter what time it was, I would pick up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in therapy and stuff, I would say like, you know, sometimes we would just, I'd be at dinner like we'd, and I'd, I'd leave the restaurant, go outside and talk to my mom for like an hour, mm-hmm. come back in. I didn't eat my food or my partner had just cooked dinner. My mom called me. I go talk to her. It takes 30 minutes. My partner finished eating and I eat by myself. Mm -hmm. And so what I had to do is I had to not answer during dinner time Mm -hmm. or I don't answer if I'm um, working on something and I'm like, okay, I just got one more hour. I'll call her back in an hour. And so I think that, and you know, it doesn't, you'd be surprised at how like, you know, I, I would talk to and now my mom says, you know, she's passive aggressive. So sometimes she'll be like, Oh, I can't call Zama cause she's at dinner. You know how that's important to her, but it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's hilarious. but it's a boundary that she respects. Yeah. So like if I don't answer every once in a while, she'll still try to call me during dinner and I don't answer and it's okay. Yeah. Um, and then the fact that she recognizes that and is like, well, I just know that during dinner time, Zama doesn't answer. And whereas before a couple years ago, that would have seemed impossible. It would yeah. be like, I have to be available to my yeah. mom because it could be important or I have yeah. to be available because I don't want her to be mad. I don't want her to feel like I'm not supportive. I don't want her to feel like I'm rejecting her. Yeah. And uh, what I've learned through therapy is that 
my self-worth as a daughter does not depend on how much I do for her or my availability to her. And I'm the one that has to set the boundaries. And now that I set the boundaries, I, it, it, like setting the pattern every time she calls, I don't have to say like, Hey, I can't talk now. I just like call her back later. And the pattern thing I think is really important because I've talked to people who, you know, you, I think you get to a point where, um, you could get burned out, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, or you can get into a situation where say you're never the one to ask for something. And then one time you're like stuck between a rock yeah. and a hard place. You need to ask for something, but you've set up this dynamic to where you are the person that gives, gives, gives. And then when you need, and that person is not there for you, you're like, uh, how dare that person not be yeah. there for me when I've always been there for them. Yeah. And the reason that you think that though, is because you've set up this dynamic. Yeah. You know, and so maybe they genuinely don't have the time. They can't do it right now or whatever. But because you feel like you're the giver, you feel like they're not a true friend to you. And so it's like, no, in order to not set yourself up for that kind of failure, be realistic with yourself and only do the things that you can or want to do. Don't constantly put yourself in difficult positions where you feel where you end up ultimately feeling like you're being taken advantage of because you the person could maybe be taking advantage of you but then you could also be allowing or setting up that person to take advantage of you yeah yeah you know so yeah it's hard to i think it's hard to come to those kinds of terms um especially when you are on the when you are the person that gives and you're like no like they should you know um move mountains to help me because i always do that for them but do they even know that you do it for them? Yeah. Do they even know that you're going so far out of your way yeah. to do these things? Like they may not know. And for them, they probably wouldn't do that. They probably would not be moving mountains to do the same things that you've done. So it may not even like make logical sense to them. Um, I think that one thing that I've seen with like, you know, looking at my friends and stuff like that is there are also differences in terms of how many people they grew up with. So for people that have a lot of siblings and stuff like that, they think very differently than people that grew up as the only child or even as the baby, yeah. you know? So it, so I think that that's a way to think about it too. Like if you are someone that grew up as the oldest, you know, you may be used to doing things for other people and helping them and all that stuff. And then if you have a friend or a best friend or something like that, that's the baby they probably grew up with a much different dynamic being the one that got the help and all of that. So if y'all are trying to merge these things and you don't understand why your friend, you know, doesn't get why you need things or why you're always being the giver, look at the way that they grew up or the way that they think and all that stuff. And that might allow you to be more um, empathetic, I guess, to whatever role they fill. Yeah. Um, or whatever role y'all feel together. Um, yes. Okay. So how do you say no? Yeah. Like what's the actual, like what is the actual yeah. process? What does yeah. this look like in practice? Yeah. Cause it's really easy to say, just say no, Yeah, but yeah. it's different to, and then, so we came up with different strategies because I feel like different things and different people require yeah. different yeah. types And different of people ways. on both sides. Yeah. So think about the kind of person that you are yeah. and think about the kind of person that you're saying no to, yeah. you know, to determine which method is best. Um, because don't force yourself to say no in ways that like make you uncomfortable. You yeah, know? So yeah, yeah. If face to face is hard for you, if somebody's saying, Hey, can you, um, pick up my kid from daycare? Or can you babysit my kid? Or can you go and, um, feed my cat or take my cat out for a walk? <laughs> um, and you're uncomfortable with that. You know, you, maybe you're uncomfortable with just being like, no. You know, if you're uncomfortable with that, don't do it. Don't do that. We'll talk about some ways, some potential ways of like navigating that. Yeah. And so I think like one of the things for me is like when to say no face to face, when to say no via text and when to say no via email. Mm -hmm. And for me, for school things, I definitely use email to say no. Yeah. Um, So like with my advisor, I, I feel like it's easier to say I'm sorry, I couldn't get to what you told me until, mm-hmm. you know, later in the week. So it's going to be a little late. Or I'm sorry, there's just no way I can make this um, talk um, that you want me to go to um, via email. And I always find that uh, it just seems less to me. I get I get anxious, I think, 
via everything, like, (laughs) if I'm face-to-face, email, or text, but it definitely, like, helps just to get a, like, uh, a response via email for things from my advisor or from, like, if I, if someone asked me, like, someone recently asked me to be, like, a research mentor, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't do it because, you know, I'm pregnant, and so it felt so much easier just to email them and say, hey, I'm sorry, I'd love to, but, um... I'm actually about to go on leave, and so I won't be able to help you, but good luck. Yeah. And I, and then the person was really nice and was just like, thank you anyways, you know, um, I'll, I'll, I've asked a couple other people, so I'll wait for the response, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, that yeah. makes me feel better. Yeah, and see, that's the thing that I was talking about earlier, where it's like, you know, sometimes we think the stakes are higher than they really are. Yeah. You know, and I feel like that, you know, with my advisor, too, where, like, she'll ask me, like, Oh, go to this thing or go do that. And like, it's just a suggestion. But to yeah. me, it's like, oh my God, like she wants me to do this thing. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I can't do it. Or like, I'm doing something on that day that's not school related. How will I say no to this? You know? And for her, it's just like, oh yeah, it was just a suggestion. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah. It, or like it came across no my docket. Like I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Yeah, Whatever. Like, yeah. yeah. And so it's like, you might be blowing it up more than it is feeling like, oh my God, I have to say yes to this because, you know, this is all the stakes are on this. Like if I say no, everything's going to crumble when in actuality, the person that's asking you is just, you know, it's just like, it's you're the first person that popped into their mind. Yeah. Maybe it's not that big of a deal to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, do you have to, do you have to necessarily explain yourself? Yeah. Um. So I, so I, I am someone that always explains myself. And one of the points that we are going to come to later is to be directed, not lie. I will explain myself even if it means that I have to lie, (laughs) which, you know, is not. And, you know, it's like everybody's people are constantly getting on me about this, you know, where like say my partner is constantly just like, just say no. Yeah. Like, just say no. Like, what can they do? Yeah. And I'm like. No, but I feel like there's, what if they ask questions? I feel like I need an explanation. Da, 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 da. And I think recently I've gotten, this is after, maybe after I turned 27, I was like, you know what? I'm grown. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I, I can't do that or I won't be able to make it or, you know, I can't meet this deadline or this, you know, this, these two days that you've given me to write this is unrealistic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, sometimes, it's, it, but you can explain yourself into a hole sometimes, which is also something to be wary of. And you, yeah, I don't know. That's that's all I have to yeah, say about no, explanations. And I, I used to super explain myself, too. Like, last night, yeah. I started feeling very sick. And yeah. this morning, it just did not get better. Yeah. And so now I'm just like, I'm sorry, I won't be able to make the meeting. Could we reschedule? Yeah. And it, it's crazy yeah. how little people ask. <laughs> like, they're not, people yeah. usually aren't like, Oh yeah, why? What happened? Yeah, and, unless yeah. I mean friends might, but like yeah. in terms of not having, like supervisors, yeah, having, they probably don't even want to know. So, I oh mean, God. yeah, and just like yeah. learning that I can, you know, I don't, or just telling my friends like, hey, I'm sorry, I can't, uh, I can't go to this. I really wanted to, but it doesn't look like I'll be able to make it. Yeah, and then that's it. Like yeah. sometimes, a lot of times, my friends aren't going to be like, oh yeah, well you said you were. Like what changed? Yeah. I mean, there are some people that are. There are. There are some people. You don't always have to explain yourself. And even if you have a valid reason, like even if you, you know, had to bail someone out, which has happened to me and I had to cancel a meeting Mm -hmm. or you had to, uh, you know, your dog got sick or attacked and you had to take him to the vet. Mm -hmm. And so you can't go to this meeting. Like it's fine to just tell people like, hey, I can't do it Mm -hmm. and not always feel like you have to offer some sort of like um justification because like everyone's entitled to like not have to um yeah and sometimes i i guess i also think sometimes offering an explanation can get you into a hole because what if the person doesn't think your explanation is is yeah is good enough like, maybe it's like, oh, well, I mean, if that was what I was, if that's what the, re- if that's what my reason was, I would still do it. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, so it's like, sometimes it's better to just be like, you know what, I can't do it. 
And like, I deem that to be reason enough. Yeah. So take it or leave it rather than being like, oh, you know, like over explaining and then finding out that, um, you know, this person is like, well, that doesn't sound like that big of a deal. Yeah. I really need you to, you know. Yeah. yeah. And it's up to pattern. Yeah. Um, so next you can always compromise. And so sometimes, you know, if your friend wants to go out this weekend, but you're not really feeling it, you can say, hey, um, this weekend doesn't really work. Would next weekend be better? Or I could even do the weekend after that. Or even, you know, if someone asks you to take them to the airport at 5 a.m., but they land at 7 p.m. and you're like, hey, I can't take you to the airport, but I can definitely pick you up if you yeah. need me to. Or yeah. if someone's moving, like on a Thursday night and you're like, hey, you know, I can't really help you on Thursday, but I'd be more than happy to, yeah. you know, uh, help you unpack later on in the week. Or uh, it's just like, you know, and, and I'm not saying like every time you say no, you have to say, oh, but I can do this. Yeah. But it's like on those times where you're like, I actually would help I just yeah. can't it could be a nice compromise to say so for me sometimes you know I have friends who live all over the country because of being in grad school you make friends with people and then they leave and so you know I have friends who live in completely different time zones and sometimes there are yeah. times that are convenient yeah. like California it's yeah. seven there and it's nine here yeah. and so yeah sometimes they want too. to just like video chat and yeah. do things and have to be like well, it's 9 p.m. Yeah, my time. And so what I just do is I say, like, I can't, you know, this week I'm just kind of um, trying to focus on trying to get this done, but I could definitely chat um, Saturday or Sunday between these times. Would any of yeah. those work? And that way you're not just saying no, but you're, you know, taking care of yourself, not straining yourself too much, but also giving an opportunity for uh, it to still happen. Yeah. Yeah, I, yes, I, I agree with that. Um, okay, so practice saying no. Yeah. So practice saying no to strangers. Yes. For yeah. example, people trying to sell you something over the phone or at the store. Even that's hard for Yeah, me. yeah. Sometimes <laughs> when people are call and try to sell me, I just hang up. I know. Or I used <laughs> to listen to them and yeah. then at the end be like, you know what? Um, maybe not at this time, but like, I still would feel so bad. I'm like, I'm going to listen to them and and answer their questions. Like I'm going, there's so many times I've given my number and email and been like, you know, I may be interested when I'm, I know there's no way I'm going to get new windows. Yeah. The hard thing is that people, oh, you're talking about those kinds of people. Yeah. So I'm thinking about people that like, they are salesmen and they will constantly, like, even if you say no, they're like, oh, okay, well, maybe I can interest you in. No, I don't want any of your things. Like, I don't want to. at the mall? Who are like, hey, yeah, you want? and they just walk up. Yeah, the mall is hard. Yeah. The people at the kiosk are yeah. like, hey, come over here. Yeah, and they yeah, just yeah, come yeah, up yeah. to you and like, or like if you like going somewhere, going like say s- somewhere, and I'm thinking about this because we were just out of the country, right? And they constantly mm. trying to hustle you yeah. with stuff. Yeah. And they'll just come up and like hand you things. And then you have to buy and it. And then just stand there like. You know, and I'm like, no, don't just put something in my hand. I don't want it. Yeah. You know, and then you got to try to figure out how to say, I mean, and luckily no is the same in every language. So you're just kind of, <laughs> you're just constantly saying no. Well, maybe not every language. Um, you're just constantly like, no, no thanks. No, thank you. No, thank you. And then they're trying to sell you something else. Yeah. So they're like, yeah. oh, American, my friend, my friend. And then <laughs> yeah, they try to yeah. like, you know, warm up to you or butter yeah. you up. Yeah. And it's like, no, I'm sorry. I still don't want this thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so saying But, like, yeah, practicing. Yeah. So, and if you realize that it's even hard to say no to those people, that's when it's kind of an indi- a, a red flag indicator of, like, oh, might, wow, yeah. I might have a people-pleasing thing because if it's – if I can't even say no to people I have no, like, bond or connection to, then it may just be me instead yeah. of everyone just, needs yeah. things from me. And, I mean, you know, not wanting to hurt someone's feelings is – you know, a, a good personality trait. Yeah, yeah. It's just that it can ultimately negatively impact you because yeah. you could get burnt out or you could get disappointed. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then 